Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have a group of amazing guests in Mr. Brett Bowman and Ryan Hill uh, from Suncrest Capital. Before we dive in, I want to ask a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Suncrest Capital has over 600 lots currently under management, and they're growing fast with another seven parks under contract. They have over $30 million in assets under management. Brett has been investing for over 12 years, acquiring 30 plus million in assets, spanning single family rentals, multifamily, industrial, and mobile home communities. He has a background in high tech where he managed multi-million dollar budgets in hybrid corporate finance and large scale program management roles. He is currently the chief investment officer at Suncrest Capital. Ryan Hill has over 13 years experience as a real estate agent directly involved in over $41 million in sales transactions. Ryan is a mobile home park owner and operator and is responsible for driving the operational efficiency at each community. Ryan is currently the chief operating officer at Suncrest Capital. Thank you guys for coming on the show. We're excited to have you. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, We're excited too. Yeah. Maybe I'll start with you, Brett. You know, maybe you can tell us the story of how you guys got together and got into manufactured housing communities. Sure. Yeah. This will be fun. Ryan usually gets to tell the story, so I'll jump in here. So yeah, like you said in my bio, I've been doing real estate for a while. I started doing syndications about two, three years ago uh, in multifamily primarily, and they got into industrial. The way I got involved in that is I worked with a lot of really big operators and kind of came in as a junior or general partner with them, got men- tons of mentorship across several groups, several asset classes. I primarily did a lot of the underwriting, uh, acquisition work, project management up front. So got to learn that super well inside and out. Meanwhile, Ryan on the side had already been buying mobile home parks and he was primarily investing in Kansas City area, which is where most of my assets were as well. And we both live in the same neighborhood here in the Boise, Idaho area. So basically we met through a third person acquaintance that actually partnered with us on our first mobile home park. And I think Ryan, why don't you take it from here? Cause this is kind of your part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So my son is a budding entrepreneur. So he has a, a lawnmower business. And the uh, acquaintance that Brett was talking about was one of my son's clients. And I had just returned from a trip from that first mobile home park my wife and I purchased about three years ago. And when I told him about it, he, you know, he got excited to hear about it and wanted to learn more and said, hey, I had this friend, Brett, who was, we were just talking about mobile home parks last week. And so we all, we all connected and met and I, I had a off-market deal just a half mile or or so down the street from that first mobile home park I bought uh, just south of Kansas City. And so the three of us went in on it together and and bought that one. Wow. That is fantastic. Ryan, how old is your son? He is 15 now. Yeah. 15. Wow. That's who we need to be talking to, man. He's, He's the future entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part is when I pay him for mowing my lawn, it most of his money goes straight to buying stock. So wow. 
Yeah. Wow. That Even up for is... his first mobile home park, right, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So, Ryan, your background is in residential real estate. Is that right? As, yeah, as I was a residential agent? real estate agent for 13 years uh, in Washington State before my family and I moved over to Idaho. I really didn't feel like rebuilding from scratch a new client base. So I'd been educating myself on the mobile home park space for a couple of years, uh, reaching out to other owner operators, just researching hundreds of deals, really like Crexy, LoopNet, et cetera. And then I, I found a diamond in the rough for, the, for that first one that had some nice owner financing on it, just refinanced out of it a few months ago. So essentially full cycle on that, that very first one, which was great. So I haven't looked back uh, the mobile home space and now we're dabbling in retail as well, but, but we love it. We, we love the, the opportunities for not only ourselves, but our investors too. Yeah. And Ryan, when did you buy that first mobile home park? So that was 2019. So July, 2019. Okay. So wow. I, yeah. And I think it's important to know that like Brett and I both have full-time day jobs. I, mine is coming to an end here at the end of this school year. I'm an elementary school principal. So we've grown so fast that uh, we're able to afford me going full-time right now and Brett hopefully in the near future, but we will, we've been able to hire employees as well uh, in the last few months, which has helped us quite a bit. Very cool. Wow. I'm curious uh, what, what uh, what things from the elementary school principal role carry over into the management of the operations of mobile home parks, if you don't mind touching on yeah, that? I think um, systems just becoming ad- adapted, uh, creating efficient systems and, and leveraging the talents of other people to achieve your goal. So that's it's similar in education with, with teachers and staff and, and uh, helping students learn the best they can. And, and it, it translates well over to mobile home park space where in order to operate efficiently and to grow as fast as we have, we've put a lot of time and effort into just making sure our systems are smooth and uh, taking care of expensive lessons that we've, we've learned the hard way. And so that we're not making those expensive lessons uh, into the future. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us about some of those expensive lessons and maybe some mistakes you guys have made, you know, in the mobile home park business that maybe our listeners can learn from. I'll turn that one over to Brett. He's, he's got a few examples. Man, where to start? <laughs> I would say, you know, I don't know if it's the most expensive lessons, but in my mind, the most painful lessons are usually people related mm-hmm. in a sense that, you know, hiring the wrong person, hiring the wrong or having the right person, maybe do the wrong job, for example. So we recently had somebody that we were counting on for our, you know, we have, we have one bookkeeper that's overseas, but then we had an onshore person that was kind of overseeing the bookkeeping and accounting that had just decades of experience. It was just like super knowledgeable in this space and turned out after paying hours and hours and hours of work to this individual, they really weren't doing much. And so we mm-hmm. were in a world of hurt when it came to time, time to prep our taxes, you know? So that's one of those things that just staying on top of every aspect, you know, one of the things that we've been implementing the last few months, we read this book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Highly recommended if you haven't read it before, but it's all about creating systems really for startups. I think it's largely meant for startups, but how to create scorecards for make sure you're watching the right data, set the right goals for the year, the quarter at the individual level, company level, 
and how to run even efficient meetings. And here I've been in, you know, Fortune 100 companies my entire career for 15 years now doing corporate finance, cross-functional project management roles. I've been in thousands of meetings. And so learning how to run a meeting differently was, was good for me. But that has helped us, I think, tune in and make sure we're focusing on the right thing. Because you can't be in every single detail of the business. But if you've got the right data and you can see the trends and you've got the right leading indicators and you can ensure you've got the right people, I think that really helps you avoid some of those painful lessons. Totally agree. And Brett, maybe you can share a little bit about your background a little bit more and you know, how you got into you know, mobile home park investing and, and real estate from the tech background. Sure. Yeah. So I um, just quickly, you know, I, I think this probably relates to a lot of people, just early teenager, probably 12 years old. I'm in a seventh grade class and our history teacher of all people was talking to us about time value of money. And he would like take a pencil and draw on the walls in the room. And I just thought he was the coolest teacher. Right. But I just, it really stuck with me because he was like drawing out these charts that if you invest $10 a month for the next 10 years, this is what it's going to grow to. Right. And like, I really caught it. And so I just like really loved the finance world. So that's when I went to finance undergrad uh, MBA with focus in finance. But all along, you know, I was reading the books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, things like that, that like, okay, stock market investing is pretty great, but it's not going to scale as fast as I want to. And then even learning into, like I started with single family rentals and did a few of those and was realizing, okay, this isn't going to scale either because you need a new loan for every one of these. And you only have so much equity that you're building up per home. Uh, and there's only so much cash flow per home. So that's when I discovered the world of commercial uh, investing and syndications and being able to, you know, honestly, as an LP, that's where I first got started with an LP and junior GP. I was getting better returns on my investments that had zero work than I was on my single family rentals. So it was crazy just to like, just mind blowing to see how that can that work. So that's a company in the commercial space, at least. Ryan had to convince me a tad about the mobile home park space. But when I, once I started learning the unique upsides and strategies you can do with mobile home parks, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard of a sell. Okay, fantastic. Um, and you still have your, your day job, which is in you know, tech and finance. And yeah, I mean, what, what characteristics do you think carry over from that into uh, what you're doing now as the CIO, right? Chief Investment Officer of Suncrest. Yeah. So obviously a lot of the finance background that I've got helps a ton because I, I do a lot of the financial modeling and forecasting, and then also at analyze our current performance. But I also do, have done just over my career, a lot of project management. Uh, so I've done you know, Six Sigma Black Belt, if you're familiar with that, it's just like really hyper-focused on specific types of project management. And that helps a lot <laughs> when you've got turnaround projects that are the type, which I know you like to buy a lot of those value-add projects too, that are a ton of work and it's lots of moving pieces. And, you know, when you've got even just one compounded by, we're at 13 parks now that we're working on, it's uh, with seven more, like you said, closing in the next couple of months, there's a, there's a lot to keep track of. So that's helped me. Uh, that's translated a ton over to the mobile park space. Love it. Ryan, maybe you could tell us a little about a little about Suncrest, kind of what your strike zone is for mobile home parks and where you see the opportunity in the marketplace. Yeah, we we like the value adds as Brett was alluding to. So 60 to 70% occupied below market rents. We're we're looking in in MSAs that a lot of uh, a lot of people are. We like over a hundred thousand population, but you know, we'll look at fifty thousand and just 
just depending on location of where it's at, most of ours are in the Midwest right now. So we're creating a larger portfolio uh, example in Springfield. So the, the six parks under contract right now will, will be added to four that we, yeah, four that we already have uh, under ownership and operation there. So really helping compress cap rates on the sale of, of the overall portfolio. So the infill piece is Brett likes to use the, the analogy of an apartment building that you, you, you buy an apartment building, but it's hard to add floors to an apartment building, but in the mobile home park space with these vacant lots, it, it's a similar idea that you're able to add like these additional units to a property that, that uh, you're looking to improve. So those are the two main ways, the infill piece, which is a, it's a ton of work. There's a lot of moving parts. We feel like we're honing in on, on the strategies and the systems for that um, to make it efficient and to fill faster and ordering new homes and sourcing used homes, like quality used homes, having rehab crews. So kind of tacking that in a variety of different ways. We're, we're not afraid of private utilities. So we, we have parks with sewer, with lagoons, with wells. And a lot of those, we, we do try to convert over to uh, city utilities. So as Brett was uh, talking about with the project management piece, he's done a great job in taking leadership with those projects, which is a ton of work. Like <laughs> to, just to connect to city utilities that are running right outside your park. There's, there's so much to it. And uh, Brett's done a great job diving in with our engineers and, and the, the city teams and our general contractors on the ground, getting those things all organized so that we can improve those properties and compress cap rates for, for us and our investors too, which is super cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Let's go back and talk about the infill because you know we've had many guests on this show and whenever I ask them, hey, what's the hardest value add component in mobile home parks. And they always say it's infill. And that's something that, again, it's, it's not very complex, right? You need to find a home, you bring it in, you put it on a lot, you get the utilities hooked up and you sell it or rent it out. But it's definitely not that easy, right? It, it takes a lot of uh, elbow grease to really you know, make this happen. Maybe you can shed some light. I think before we started recording, you were saying that you have 100 infill lots in Iowa that you're working on in filling. And then you have approximately 50 infill lots in Missouri that you guys are working on infilling. So maybe tell me a little bit about that strategy. I mean, that has to be super challenging given you know, the current economic climate and the, the ability to get used homes and new homes. So what have you guys done to overcome that? Yeah, so we, we have a, a number of strategies. So one is we have a team of VAs that are, they, they comb Facebook marketplace and a radius around the markets that we're in uh, finding used homes. And we have a, a, like a series of questions that they're doing the preliminary work with, with the uh, owners of those homes. And then they hand it over to us to kind of finish the deal, so to speak, really making sure that homes can be moved out of properties is important. We've, we've uh, gotten burnt on a couple of those where they probably could have been moved out, but we also didn't want to burn bridges with other owners and operators. Um, so we ended up selling those homes back. So we've, we discovered that little uh, nuance is, is key. We do work with some wholesalers here and there that are looking at homes for, for the used homes. And then the, uh, you know, we, we just put in an order of 47 new legacy homes 
that will be delivered starting in about six months. So, and tell me about that. Tell me about the six month, because I have an order right now with legacy and they're not giving me those homes for 12 months. So what type of uh, magic did you, did you pull off there? Like it, we like told them, way. Andrew said we could go ahead of them. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andrew said, yeah, just jump, jump the line. <laughs> just give us Andrew's homes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joey will be getting a call. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, in this business, relationships are, are super important, just like really everywhere. But uh, we were able to develop a relationship with the, the owner of Legacy and, and one of the, the board members as well. And so they, there is an option they give to some dealerships and we have dealerships in all of the states that we operate in. So they, they hooked us up essentially with, with the option to, to pay a slight premium on each one of those homes to move up in line so that nice. we're able to get those new homes. Yeah. We actually made Very the nice. connection I just really quickly with our, the, one of the sellers in Springfield knew the owner and board member for Legacy. Mm. And that's how we got the introduction through all that. So that worked out pretty well. Very nice. Yeah. It talks about the power of networking. And you said it was just under $2,000 per home to expedite and save you six months where otherwise you would have gotten these homes in the dead set of winter and you couldn't have done anything with them. Where now you're getting them early fall so you can get them occupied and you can not have to be stuck with, you know, vacant homes sitting there or paying the gas bills on, on homes all winter. So yep. very smart on your guys' behalf. Very smart. So how did you guys get like the baseline knowledge? Maybe Maybe you could speak on this, Brett, of mobile home parks. You know, did you guys, you know, how'd you get educated on it? So Ryan uh, had, I think, two years. Ryan, you were researching the space before you made your first buy in 2019. So since 2016, 2017, Ryan's been researching it. I started researching it at about 2019. I had the benefit of partnering with Ryan, though. So I came in and knew a ton about the commercial real estate space and how to do like the legalities of syndications, raising money, operations, things like that. But having Ryan with the expertise and really great, great network already of other operators helped me a ton to get up to speed. So I would say like for me anyway, the way I've learned every asset class has been partnering with somebody who's done it before, whether as an LP or a junior GP coming in and just like learning. And I think that's in my mind, the best way to do it. I, I learn I'm hands-on. I think as an LP, you can ask a ton of questions throughout, you know, like for me, I love meeting with our investors and answering questions and they, uh, we have some that really like to get into the details and those are some really fun conversations. And honestly, we get good feedback too with those conversations. So I think that's the best way to learn. Obviously we, there's a ton of really great podcasts, including Gores that have great information too. And mm -hmm. I mean, we're obsessive about all of them. We, we, we share links all the time to like specific episodes. So uh, there's some great stuff out there for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Ryan, you were a little ahead of Brett. How did you get educated? Yeah, I think initially it was is uh, just websites and some Google searches, but then I, I got connected with uh, Ryan Neris and he has his um, mobile home parks and in, in real life podcast as he was just starting that. So I consider him uh, a mentor and, and I was probably one of his, his first mentees that, um, you know, I was able to, to call him and, and ask questions and find, find a deal and he'd help me kind of analyze it. 
So find, finding a mentor in the space is really important. And then as Brad alluded to, there's, there's some really great podcasts out there. So I've listened to probably every single one of them, all the episodes, and mm-hmm. we've, we've reached out. I think the key is we've reached out to people after listening to some of those podcasts in, in different regards of the, the business to build relationships and to gain insight on how we can improve our, our business. So yeah, that's been fun. And, and Brett and I really enjoy meeting with our investors or potential investors and, and answering those questions. That's, I, I didn't realize that would be so enjoyable when I first started, um, but that, that's been really fun is, is to make those connections. Very nice. So neither of you went to the MHU bootcamp? No. 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 That, that's one of the things that uh, we've just kind of seen a, a recurring thing uh, of a lot of operators attending that. But that's cool that you guys, you know, use the more uh, podcast route and, and networking route, which is great. Tell me, what has been the toughest hurdle for you guys thus far in mobile home park ownership? We might answer that differently. For me, Ryan alluded to this. I would say the massive capital projects that, so you, you mentioned infill being one of the hardest parts. I feel like infill is easy compared to the private utility to public utility conversions. We have three of those in progress right now at three different communities. One wow. community, we have all three utilities are getting converted, water, sewer, electric. And having been someone that's ran multi-year cross-functional projects, these are complicated. And they're complicated because you're working with several city utilities. Like one of ours, for example, is just on the fringe. So it's technically not incorporated in the city. But water is a city utility. Sewer is county. uh, Electric is city. And so you've got so many different departments. You've got fees you have to pay to each one of them, connections, uh, inspections, permits, you know, there's all these esoteric processes involved in it. It's complicated. I think now that I've done a couple of them, I, you know, know what to look out for. And I would know a little bit better what questions to ask up front, but, you know, learning something like that. And frankly, there's not a lot of people in the space that have done that before. So there really wasn't a whole lot of resources for me to go learn. So you have to kind of be the person that's okay asking dumb questions and feeling dumb, which you know, I am totally okay being that person on, on some of these calls. So anyway, that's probably been the hardest thing for me. Yeah. And I'd say on the, in, on the infill side, there's so many dominoes that have to fall in order for it to get to the finish line from, you know, the lot prep from breakdown to the, your toter. So we've taken control of some of those efficiencies. I was just uh, telling you, Andrew, before we started, we're actually moving our very first home with our very own toter today, which is very exciting. But in the past, you'd have to wait for availability of the, the transporter and, and then things come up and it pushes the timeline, but making sure your lots are prepped and ready to go for that home, uh, the sales process of the home. There's, there's just so many moving pieces to that start to finish of getting a, a new tenant into a, a quality home. That's been challenging and taking a lot of time to figure that out. That's a big undertaking. Yeah. That was one of our pain points too, is finding reliable third-party transporters that we could trust to show up on time and deliver the homes on time. So uh, we started our own transport company as well. And it's, it's cool to see that you guys are doing the same thing because it, at a certain point, you have enough scale where you're going to be moving enough homes and it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So totally get it on that. So how many homes have you guys actually moved into communities and got set up and, and sold? 
Well, the, the moving into communities is, is a higher number than the sold for sure right now as we're working on the rehab. So we're, we're over 23, uh, 24 homes or so have, we've transported in since um, this last fall is when we started in, in earnest on that project. So we've sold about three or four uh, so far, and we're, you know, we're utilizing some different financing companies to, to help people with bad credit or no credit, you know, get uh, home ownership through a, a mortgage that can help their credit and their, you know, so sourcing those uh, financing options for people has, has been uh, interesting and, and pretty cool to be able to get people into a home that didn't think they could ever own their own home. Maybe you could maybe you could share you know some of those companies of of who you guys use because I think you know other listeners may find value in that. Sure. So we're we're approved through twenty first uh, mortgage like a, a lot of operators. The the one that works well for clients that have low or, or no credit is PEP, so uh, Performance Equity Partners. So they they've been great to work with. They're very fast. Um, you know we can get an approval and a closing within usually about 10 days or so. If the person, they have to make enough money, obviously on their, on their job, but they can get approval with, with pretty low credit. Getting approved through Triad. Uh, Barron's is one that we've worked with in the Midwest. So I don't think they're in every state, but they're, they're in a few there. Brett, do you have some others top of mind? Yeah, I know uh, to Ryan's point, I think PEP has been our favorite so far, just because they're in most of the states we're in. They're not in every state. I think that they're willing to expand as long as they're scaled to where they're going. So if, if an operator is interested in bringing them in, I think it's still worth the conversation. One of the things I've liked about PEP is that they're more flexible in the home too. So mm. obviously the like these these lenders care about the land, the buyer, but also the home. And PEP just makes it a little easier with that. We're looking at a few other shadow lenders that are just a little bit more regional. So one of the banks we use quite a bit for our acquisitions in Springfield, Missouri, has expressed interest in lending on homes for us. So obviously Legacy, too, we're using their financing program to do the acquisition of the homes. Very nice. Yeah, thank you for sharing those. Appreciate that. Brett, let me ask you this one, and then we'll go and ask the same question to you, Ryan. What are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking LPs here, need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Great questions. I can just, I think of a dozen different things here. So where to start? I would say finding someone that's got a lot of experience in what they're buying is really crucial and just making sure that the, like you really bet the operator. Um, so making sure like I, every time I I'm surprised how many people we've had invest with us that aren't actually interested in meeting me. I reach out and I, I, I make sure we meet ahead of time, but there's a lot of people that are just comfortable just, Oh, Hey, I've heard this is good. I heard you guys are great. I love meeting with investors. I think it's important to to have conversations with the operators as an investor um, to come in prepared and ask really hard questions of the operator of like, what's your plan? What's your experience? Have you done this part before? This really complicated thing you guys are trying to do here. Have you actually done that before? And if not, how are you going to get the experience or the mentorship or like, how are you going to make sure that you cover that gap that you've never done before? So I think don't be afraid to reach out and meet with, with several operators and make sure that you understand and trust and have a good idea of what they're going to be doing. Yeah. That's the one word you said was mentorship, you know, and reaching out. I think that's huge, you know, reaching out to other more experienced operators, even if you don't know how to handle a certain scenario, 
you know, have people you can reach out to that have done it before. Very nice. Uh, Ryan, what do you think are the most important things passive investors need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? I think just making sure that values align well with the operators that you're you're choosing to go with and the the principles. So as as you know, there there are some some operators out there that their business model might be to go in and and uh, buy a community and and raise rents extremely high that and maybe not if an affordable rate for the, the current residents. We don't believe in that model. We, we find value of infilling and gradual rent increases because we, we believe in taking care of the residents that live there and improving the communities that they, um, that they live in because they're going to become more sticky in that community and see the value of what they're paying us is going towards a better community. And that's not necessarily the case everywhere. So just making sure if, if that is your value that you want to take care of affordable housing and, and support affordable housing, that you're finding people that, that do that as well. And then one piece that Brett and I were with Verivest and so a third party company that they put the sponsors through like a due diligence process. They, they do ongoing portfolio monitoring as well. So we're, we're verified through Verivest. So uh, it just adds kind of a, an additional level of confidence for our investors that we've been background checked. They've looked through our own personal financials and, and they, they can look at our, our business model as well. And, and every quarter we have to agree to adhere, adhere to a code of conduct that they, they have in place just to ensure that we are taking care of the investors and, and the money that they trust us with. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. so. Brett, I'll ask this one to you. Uh, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Uh, I would say at least 75 lots, preferably more, all city utilities. <laughs> and I've already discussed why. <laughs> all city utilities. I like having some vacancies so we have some upside, like we talked about before. So probably 70, 70% occupied, no more than that in a big metro that we're already in. So we, we like Springfield, Missouri, Kansas City, uh, Des Moines are kind of our big markets right now. And high cap rate, of course. So the big reasons for that, uh, you know, we've got a community as small as 21 pads and we've got one, I think our largest one is 110 right now. And the 110, honestly, is just as easy slash hard to manage is the 21 lot. You know, I think every, I hear that all the time. Uh, people say that, and it's very true. Having the city utilities is a big deal, especially if they're direct build, because it just takes a huge headache out. But I really like it when they're not direct build, because that's another upside. You know, we are, when we purchased our communities in Iowa, we, one of the reasons we liked it is there was a lot of infill, but the bigger upside and the quicker upside was the um, adding Metron meters and being able to submeter uh, utilities very quickly. That was something that just took us a few months to get everything in, installed and quick upside right there. Um, we like to, we like to centralize our, our parks into those, into kind of those pockets for scale purposes. We can use a lot of the same contractors, same managers, but also when we go to exit, we can exit all of those at once as kind of one package sale, um, which helps compress the cap rate, which obviously uh, improves the intrinsic value of the overall portfolio versus the underlying assets, which is another big deal for us, obviously. So 
yeah. kind of that's that's my perfect box i have yet to see exactly that though yeah ryan would you add or take away anything from uh from brett say everything brett said and one that is in the the boise idaho market so it's close <laughs> close to where we live we'd so love we to find something in boise <laughs> so we yeah. don't have to jump on a plane for for a half day to to get to our properties yeah sure let me ask you ryan tenant owned homes or park owned homes which uh which model do you guys prefer <laughs> definitely prefer the the tenant owned homes it's it's just less time intensive to, yeah. to deal with. We have a number of parks that have a, a healthy percentage of park-owned homes that we're working hard on converting over to tenant-owned homes through those finance programs that we talked about, um, or at least a, a lease option to purchase LTO, something like that. Cool. Awesome. Brett, this one I'll direct to you. What does the future of mobile home park investing look like? And how do you see mobile home parks fitting in with the direction the economy is going? A lot of people that I follow are saying we're heading into a recession. You know, how do, how do you think mobile home parks are going to weather the storm? Yeah, I think they're going to be fantastic. I think, uh, you know, you hear a lot of times people say that mobile home parks are recession resistant. And I think the best example or explanation for that, or at least the simplest anyway, is that as people have income come down or at least the gaps right they're going to move down in housing and where mobile home parks are sort of that last niche for affordable housing uh, especially for home ownership it's sort of that last safety net for people to come to so i think it's a it's, it's a very safe asset class from that perspective as far as interest rates going up obviously i think a lot of people are concerned about the interest rate climate right now with what the fed's doing or kind of the rumors of what the fed may do over the next year or so you know, something I think that people are quick to forget is that as interest rates go up, inflation goes up, which is not necessarily a good thing. But from a rent perspective, you know, we have some rent growth with inflation as well. So uh, from an investment perspective, I think that can help protect your asset where you can lock in rates of today. And as the interest rates continue to go up, uh, we have some of that uh, rent buffer that we have from that inflation as well. So a little bit of a hedge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ryan, you have any comments on that at all? Yeah, I think the uh, the consolidation of of mobile home parks by bigger companies, funds that are purchasing them up, there's that will that'll continue. Obviously, there it's not such a, a secret niche anymore. But the uh, there's still room. There's still plenty of them out there. I think there's only been about ten or fifteen percent of them bought up through through uh, syndications or funds or investors like like us right so there's still a lot of opportunity out there for for invest for people to purchase and find them we're uh, still sourcing our our mobile home parks through cold calling efforts and, and things like that so there's there's still some deals out there to be found um, so i think we're we're still excited about that awesome awesome uh if any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you guys what is the best way for them to do so? I think the easiest way to remember, at least, is our website. It's just Suncrest Cap, for short for capital. So suncrestcap.com. Uh, we have quick contact info there for each of us, but our email addresses are just Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at Suncrest Cap, and Ryan at suncrestcap.com. Um, so we're both on Facebook uh, and LinkedIn. So reach out any way that you're convenient. But again, I think the website's probably the easiest to remember. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and, 
and, and sharing a little bit about Suncrest. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Cal. Thanks. All right. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would you like to see mobile home park value add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at Passive MHP Investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent mobile home park acquisitions. Once again, that's at Passive MHP Investing on Instagram. See you there.